Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pippen, alongside the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Built Bar. Uh, you guys know how excited I get about Built Bar. It's the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. The Bucks beat the paces 142 to 133. And you know exactly why Frank is here. I mean, he always loves to do a post-game pod. There's no doubt about that. But it's in the contract. When Giannis plays well, Frank has to podcast. Giannis had 40 points. He added in 15 rebounds, six assists in this one, and dunked on any human in an Indiana Pacers uniform that went anywhere near him on the offensive end. Uh, That was pretty fun. You know, sign me up for games like this where Giannis just wants to dunk on anyone in his area. Well, you know, I'm I'm 40 years old, Ken. I turned 40 years old a couple months back, and it feels like way too advanced an age to, you know, <laughs> get this much enjoyment from watching a, you know, 26 year old guy play a sport. But um, yeah, I, I can't get enough of uh, of Giannis doing Giannis things, and uh, obviously the regular season in many ways can't end soon enough. Yeah. Uh, and it's been a, a bit of a grind here. You know, everything really since then those Nets games has felt like, you know, just sort of window dressing. Um, but um, two more games left after tonight. And um, at least, uh, you know, the, I mean, we talked about in light of the Spurs game, you know, are the Bucks uh, really locked in and, you know, grinding as hard as they can defensively right now? I would go ahead and say no. Um, I'm not going to say that that's, a good thing or whatever. Um, I think that's just reality. Uh, tonight, Justin Holiday goes nuts early. Pacers hit a bunch of threes, uh, but the Bucks just sort of looked at the Pacers and were like, "Yeah, we can pretty much score on everyone." Right. <laughs> that's pretty much what they did. And obviously, Giannis the storyline with forty points, fourteen out of eighteen shooting, which is just absurd. Um, but plenty of help. I mean, Middleton. What do you start? One out of seven, and he <laughs> finishes. Uh, I think he made eight of his last 10 to go for 22 points on 17 shots. Brooke, 21 points on 15 shots. And Drew Holiday, once again, getting the better of his brothers with 20 points on 14 shots, 14 assists, four blocks, four rebounds. Um, I pretty much just like lived in the paint, uh, especially on TJ McConnell tonight, which was uh, one of those things that Drew Holiday can do. And I mean, 78 paint points. My God, that's a, that's that's crazy. Seventy-eight paint points for the Bucks tonight, which completely nullified the fact that Indiana hit twenty-one threes and one shot forty-nine percent from deep. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of one of those funhouse mirror games statistically. But um, I, I would say it was like a number of games recently where the Bucks sort of just came in and were like, "Yeah, you know what? Like, we're not going to go too hard right now. We're just going to pretty much outscore you and move on to the next game." 
there's been some close games, obviously, over the last few weeks that even though the Bucks have been winning, you looked at it and you were a little bit like, okay, this was a tough watch. This didn't feel as comfortable as it probably should. But as you basically described, I never had to sit up in my seat once during this game. I was like, these guys are not losing to the paces. I don't care if they shoot 33s. They're not going to lose because they literally can't stop anyone once the Bucks get in the paint. You already mentioned the 78 points there. And it was very evident early. And you mentioned the three-point shooting, and I did get a tweet. I don't have it up right now, but I did get a tweet saying, hopefully you guys aren't going to ignore the 21 threes against. I think that the problem with looking at the, the raw number and just looking at the box score and saying Indiana shot 21 threes, wow, it must have been terrible defense. There's just so many more factors that go into that. And I actually thought Justin Holiday, who, you know, credit to him. I mean, he was 8 for 12 overall from three. But in that first quarter, I mean, he was knocking down some tough shots. He was on the move, and not just on the move, but at speed, shooting, uh, moving to his left, shooting, moving to his right. And sometimes guys are going to do that, but when the Pacers still went into the end of that first quarter losing, I was like, okay, uh, all right, all right. They're, they're not going to beat the Bucks in this game. There's no way. They were 8 for 12 overall in the first quarter. They also then hit five threes in the final four and a half minutes of this game. So 13 out of the 21 threes came uh, at the start of the game when Justin Holiday was just completely out of his mind. And then they came in garbage time there when the Bucks were, I mean, let's be honest, the, 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 <laughs> the game was over at that point. So again, it was just one of those nights for me where we can talk about the three-point defense, and we probably do on almost every single podcast that we have. But tonight, yeah, you could point to some instances where you would have liked it better. There was one scenario in the first quarter where I think TJ McConnell had the ball at the top. They were playing drop coverage. Jeff T got caught up on a screen, and, and McConnell literally had enough time to, to bend over and tie his shoelaces if you want before he shot it. But at the same time, you're talking about a 31% three-point shooter. We know those are the guys that the Bucks are comfortable shooting that way. So I, I just, I mean, again, you can point to the end of the regular season. You can point to a bunch of things. But this just, to me, was not a night where I'm walking away furious about the three-point defense. There's more to it. And that's what the trouble that I've had all season long looking at numbers and trying to interpret what, all, what it all means across the course of the regular season. Because on any given night, there's so many different factors that go into those numbers that overall contribute to the season-long uh, averages where the Bucks, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been pretty miserable from there. Yeah, I mean, and I think the thing too is like, you know, when you watch, you watch that game, I mean, you know, Drew Holiday is a terrific defender. I had the comment, um, the story uh, from, I think it was Chris Haynes, mm. where he kind of candidly was like, I kind of think I'm like the defensive player of the year every year. Um, you have the actual defraining defensive player of the year in Giannis. And those are two of the guys that are probably the worst offenders in terms of <laughs> Drew is great at navigating screens, but he does not like going over screens and, and trailing. And so a lot of times he ends up going under or sort of trying to cheat a little bit and he gives up decent looks at threes by doing that. Um, and then Giannis, of course, is the biggest offender there is on this team in terms of ignoring his man standing up through point line. And tonight, O'Shea Brissett, whoever that is, <laughs> <laughs> apparently he went to Syracuse. Uh, I think he's Canadian. He so up. apologies to the Canadian listeners. Can we just, can we just uh, <laughs> shout them out? He, he went five out of eight from three. <laughs> and... Um, you know, uh, again, like so some some of this stuff is, I think these are legitimate concerns. You know, Giannis overhelping, Giannis just sort of like losing track of his guy. I mean, 
you know, I, I still have visions of Jay Crowder uh, in the middle of the night sometimes hitting, you know, open threes against the Bucks in the playoffs last year. Um, so, yeah, it's not to like minimize it. Right. Um, and and there is there is there are some issues there. I think both tonight, as you're pointing out, though, I mean, um, you know, Justin Holiday going whatever he went eight out of twelve, and it's not like they were daring him to shoot threes. Like he, <laughs> he hit some very contested threes, um, and probably 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 was was due for some given what what about what did the indiana holiday brothers shoot the last time these teams played like oh, one yeah, out of 17 awful, or something yeah. like that yeah yeah <laughs> you know, so they had some makes um aaron holiday did not play tonight but uh justin more than made up for it so um yeah i mean i you know i, I think again did the bucks take this game super seriously were they treating this like a playoff game absolutely not um and i think they probably just felt like they could score on them all night long, especially with all the guys that Indian was missing. I mean, we should point that out, right? I mean, um, uh, Miles Turner is out defensively. Obviously, that makes a difference. Uh, you do have Demantis Sabonis, but even he got dinged up and missed. What was it in the, in the third quarter, fourth quarter? He I mean, he he didn't. He was not playing down the stretch. I don't think um, with some kind of leg knock that he picked up, and you kind of just go down the line. Malcolm Brogdon. As per usual, never plays against the Bucks. He's always got some random injury. He hasn't played at all this month, the hamstring. Um, and, you know, Karis LeBert and TJ Warren also missing out tonight. So, um, yeah, this was, you know, the C team maybe from, from Indiana. Um, but, uh, and it showed uh, on, on both ends. Well, not really on the offensive end because they just bombed a bunch of threes and um, made a lot of them. Um, and, you know, that's sort of the irony, right, is like, they made four more threes than the Spurs did the other night. Um, they also shot like 20 more threes. So, you know, that, that's obviously matters, but, or sorry, 14 more th- threes they attempted than the Spurs. But, um, you know, it's all kind of in the context of what else is happening in the game. And I think the important thing for the Bucks tonight was that they held Indiana to 43% shooting on two point shots, which obviously is important. If you're going to give up a bunch of threes, don't send them to the foul line a ton. And, you know, obviously you don't want to, uh, give up a bunch of, uh, of stuff inside. So 50 paint points, but fast paced game. And ultimately Indiana did miss a ton of shots inside the arc overall. So, um, so that was part of it. Uh, and probably the other thing just pointed too. I mean, Indiana only had eight turnovers total. So that also was a contributor to, to the offensive output tonight. Um, they ended up with a 123 offensive rating bucks, 131 offensive rating. So, um, yeah. Uh, Again, one of these games that we will probably not speak a lot about uh, in 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 a, two two three years from now. We will probably not talk a lot about the random game the Bucks beat the Pacers C team in the last week of this season. But uh, kind of as we've been saying, hey, you go out there, yeah, score a bunch of points, get your guys looking looking pretty frisky, uh, and then on top of that, no injuries. You know, that's that's pretty much pretty much uh, uh, chalk it up as as a, a double win. Obviously, aside from what you did on the in the actual standings tonight. All right, let me jump in now and talk about BetOnline.ag, our fantastic sponsors of the podcast here. Uh, as we all know, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is in full swing right now. I know the Brewers are looking pretty damn nice and you can get all the latest news, odds and info for not only the MLB, but the NBA with the postseason heading up here. NHL, 
and also UFC and MMA. So before the next pitch, shot, hit, whatever it is, head to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked on with that one. That, that's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Jay Crowder at the start there because, to be clear, I'm absolutely not dismissing the fact that the Bucks have been burnt before in big games by guys that uh, you wouldn't exactly consider knockdown shooters. I do just think, as we've discussed all season long, that certainly defensively, I mean, it's it's a different or a more varied conversation this year than it has been in, in the past. That's all I'll say. And that's all I, I like to point out. As you said, every game is different. Um, so I think uh, too often this year, we, we see sometimes, well, same old buck, same old buck, same old defense, same old bud. And it's just been a bit of a different story this year. And I think it's worth uh, pointing out. Uh, you said in terms of a couple of guys, uh, you know, finding form. And I, I do think it is important. The interesting thing is I always do like a little bit of momentum. And I was watching Dante tonight knock down a couple more threes and thinking to myself, I don't know if this week off is going to be good for him coming up in the next few days here. He's starting to feel it. He's seen the ball go down. He was two for five in the end, but did hit his first two. And then the guys off the bench, Pat was two for three. Jeff Teague, two for two. Bobby Portis, two for two as well. Um, so to see those guys knock down some threes uh, was pretty fun. You mentioned Chris Middleton and his ability to you know, start cold and then work his way into games. We've seen this a lot this season. And in one hand, it's kind of concerning that it does feel like he starts games cool a little more than you would like. But we also have praised his ability to, to bounce back and, and start knocking down shots and stay aggressive. And I like the fact that he got up 17 shots tonight despite all those misses again, I've pointed it out before, but I don't think that's something that he's done very well in the past. But he had that crossover spin fadeaway jump shot from the baseline that had the bench going wild there in the fourth quarter. And I, I looked at his reaction and I was just the general thought that I had about this Bucks team. Outside of Giannis, who on a, I think his fifth posted dunk of the night tonight gave the, the double yell which I think the Bucks Twitter or Bucks Social put out on all their channels, which is in slow motion, which is a fantastic video to watch if you're a Bucks fan. But these other guys, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, continuously make ridiculous plays and show absolutely zero emotion. And it's almost annoying seeing them, how good they are and the moves that they can pull off. And they're just like, yeah, what, what did you expect? I was going to miss that shot. I was going to break that guy down and fade away from the baseline and actually miss. I don't think so. It's ridiculous. No emotion. It's, it's, it's too easy for them at times. Yeah. Just looking at Chris's game log. I mean, you guys might remember he, he played well in that Phoenix loss, hit some big shots late. He played very well in that first Philadelphia game. And then he had that weird second game against Philly where, you know, it was probably like the least consequential bad game he's ever had where he, he went over six and they won by 38 points no so it, yeah. it didn't, re- didn't really matter but obviously it's like yeah i mean chris like you know that that sucks like <laughs> four points on over six shooting um since then i mean he's had uh let's see they've played nine games he's been at 22 plus in seven of those games he uh, obviously the last game he really struggled against orlando him and drew both really shot poorly in that game he only had 11 points but 
you know, other than that, his lowest scoring game was, was the Charlotte win where he had 17 points on 15 shots, six assists. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, if, if, if Chris is going to give you, you know, 22, 23, 25 points on good efficiency, most nights, um, and, you know, every night he's getting, you know, his fewest assists in that span is three assists. He's between basically four five, six, seven, eight assists a night on top of that. Um, you know, that, that you just hope that that carries over on, on solid efficiency once you get to the playoffs. Right. And that, that's all you can kind of hope for. Um, and last year was just so strange for Chris because like his overall playoff numbers were pretty unimpressive because he was so bad for the first few games against Orlando, you know, which ultimately didn't really matter because, you know, obviously they, they end up cruising in that series. And then he had a couple of you know really big games uh, in particular, the, the one game they won against Miami where he was obviously had to carry them, including an overtime with, with Giannis out. But um, yeah, I mean, I think Drew has, has obviously been on like a very notable, um, uptick here since the all-star break we've talked a bit about his numbers now he's been right around 20 points per game on on just awesome efficiency and tonight i mean three-point shooting has been a big plus for him this year he was 0 for 4 but oh by the way he's 8 for 10 on two-point shots tonight and you know just completely manhandled uh, tj mcconnell in particular just posting up mcconnell at front chris middleton all the you know everybody just throwing him the ball over the top and just finishing inside like he's you know a six six ten guy or something like that playing that way. So that that's one of those things I'm I'm very curious uh to see in the playoffs how they use that weapon. Cause that was obviously something that with Bledsoe obviously a year ago, the fact that he would stand out on the arc and teams would pretty much just more you know largely ignore him and he struggled to really create off the dribble. Um was obviously just a, such a such a rough thing for this Bucks offense and especially with the way teams have been able to you know, gang up on Giannis, or at least the way Miami and, and Toronto and in the previous playoff series losses have been able to gang up on him. So that's the part I'm just really interested in with Drew is he's such a different type of player. Not not just from Bledsoe, just from like any other point guard in the league. Like he just he just has like a very different style. And he, you know, again, it's not like kind of a pure one-on-one type of style. Um, it's that kind of just weird uh, old guy at the Y type type game in, in many ways um but uh you know especially if if there's um you know smaller point guards that are gonna have to guard him i think there could certainly be matchups um where that could could definitely be you know a weapon that that he uh that he really tries to to exploit um and let's be honest pretty much any point guard is at a disadvantage in terms of strength compared to drew he's just you know just manages work dudes, you know, his, his strength and his, his savvy. He's just always able to seemingly get to that left hand close to the basket. Uh, so I think that's going to be a real fun thing to watch in terms of how these, these playoff matchups shake out. Um, and, um, you know, we'll just, just kind of see how it goes. I think obviously the Brooklyn matchup we saw him, especially in the second game, really try to attack Kyrie more than, than he did in the first game. And that's obviously, I think, a, an obvious Achilles heel uh, for, for Brooklyn defensively. Um, and so we'll, we'll just have to see what, what other kind of options they have. Right. Cause I think certainly against Philly, right? Like who do they put, who does Philly put on him? Um, I, I don't know, I guess I'm, I haven't really thought like, is Philly putting Simmons on him? Probably not. Right. Like Simmons probably goes on either Chris or, or maybe Giannis, but maybe they do put Simmons on, 
uh, on Drew, which which could you know potentially take that away. But then you're taking uh, you're taking a very good defender off of you know either Chris or Giannis. So um, yeah, he's just such a weapon, and it's obviously just been really fun seeing him grow into um, get just clearly more comfortable with his teammates and really look for his offense more as the season has worn on. So um, again, like you just two more games, stay healthy, keep doing what you've been doing with Drew. And, um, you know, he's not a guy I worry about. I think certainly his defensive intensity hasn't always been there here <laughs> of late either, but he's obviously not a guy that I'm worried about being able to ratchet it back up once, uh, once the postseason starts. Oh, Frank, there's not much I like more than a Friday afternoon in Australia anyway, built by Ad Reed because it is the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. I haven't even had lunch yet. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm starving. I might just head straight to the pantry and grab myself a Built Bar because there is nine delicious flavors that you can choose from there. Uh, you know them. I've read them out over the last couple of days, but there's coconut, almond, raspberry, mint brownie, and salted caramel, double chocolate, peanut butter brownie. I could keep going down the list, but they are all pretty damn tasty. And if you don't know which one to try or you haven't tried it before, you can get a mix box where they'll give you two of each and then you can decide which one you're really going to lock in on for your next order. As you know, uh, they're healthy for you as well. So you can uh, enjoy a delicious treat that you know is also good for you as well. So just go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski, who we also know not only from this podcast, but from Locked On Packers, updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow Locked On Today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Not to get too sidetracked with the the Philadelphia conversation, because let's be honest, any series with Philadelphia is, is a long, long way away from where we're at Uh, right now but that is again in any series another reason why you should feel optimistic offensively about the team is that they do present a matchup problem that simply they didn't last year and when you ask that question about Philadelphia I think well sure I do agree with the point that you would love to have Simmons guard Giannis we've certainly seen that in the first game that they played but you're not putting Seth Curry on Drew Holiday that's for damn sure because he's just going to take him to the basket every single time yeah, right. Please right. do. Please exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah. But then that's the problem because you, you say, okay, well, you've got Matisse Thibel that they would love to put out there. But then offensively, it just makes it so challenging for the Sixers with, with so many guys that can't really shoot. So, yeah, I mean, in, in any matchup, as you sort of pointed to, he's probably going to have the physical advantage there. But with Philadelphia in particular, it, it does challenge them or would challenge them uh, if the Bucks are able to get there. I wanted to talk about Brooke Lopez a little bit. This has been something that we've been monitoring for a while. You mentioned the fact that obviously he was pretty important again tonight. He had 21 points. Again, the thing that just stands out to you, 0 for 1 from the three-point line. So this is the fourth time. He's had eight 20-plus point games this season, but this is the fourth time since the 27th of April. So we're talking in the last sort of two weeks here. The fourth time in the last two weeks he has had a 20-plus point game. Across those four games, he's only hit one three-pointer. And this is, this is pretty outrageous stuff for Brook Lopez based on what we've seen and based on what we know about him. And if you just look at his splits for his three-point shooting, we've referenced before in the past that his scoring has gone up post the All-Star break despite the fact that his three-point shooting had actually dropped off 
significantly. He only shot 26% from three in March. He had a nice bounce back in April, was back up to 39, but he's only at 22% so far in May. But the thing that stands out to me, 4.1 attempts from three per game in March and April. It hasn't dropped below uh, 3.8 all season long. He's only attempting 2.63s per game across seven games in May so far. So it's always been one of the interesting conversations around the offense. And you know that it's obviously a weapon that Brook Lopez has and that he's a guy that can go down there and score. He made a career out of it. But when you base your whole offense around the idea of spacing the floor for Giannis because that's where he wants to go to work and that's where he wants to be so efficient, it's presented a challenge. And the Bucks were very basic with it, very simple with it the previous two seasons where they said, okay, Brooke, stand on the three-point line, shoot those threes. Last year, he really struggled from the outside and that presented some problems. This year, again, he's had a nice little bounce back, but it does seem out of the all-star break that the Bucks have said, anytime that a team wants to go small, Let's test out the idea of saying, no, we're going to keep Brooke out there. We do trust him defensively. They've obviously got other options where they can go small with PJ Tucker. But anytime he gets a small guy on him, they're giving him the ball and he is looking to take advantage to levels that we just simply haven't seen. And it's been pretty damn effective. I think the important thing there is, is they're getting him the ball, but they're not just like giving him like just force feeding him post-ups, post-ups which... Yeah. You know, he, he's been a, uh, obviously in his career, he's been a very good post-up player um, traditionally. Um, but I feel like there's been, um, it seems like he has, as big as he is, it feels like he has not been as able to really bully guys down low. I mean, if they're really small, like he's able to, you know, do it. And he does that slow motion step through and, you know, you can get that like eight foot hook shot. He's got that terrific, um, terrific touch, but you know, his, his points per, per possession in the post is a bit, is a little bit down this year. He's 0.94. I think he was above one last year. Um, I, but it feels like, you know, we've talked a lot about Chris, Chris Middleton trying to throw lobs to everybody, you know, especially Giannis. Um, but Brooke is the guy that I think really going back to last year, he started to develop really good chemistry with. And I, I think the, the Chris, you know, we talk about the Chris Giannis pick and roll being kind of that, like, you know, the the key kind of action for the Bucks, especially in crunch time. But I think especially when Giannis is getting a rest, keeping Chris out there with Brooke is just a combination I really like. They just have really good, you know, really good combination play together. And we know Chris is great at putting the ball over the top for Brooke to just go up and get and put down for alley-oops. But Brooke also has that just great little touch game from the lane. And so... You know, he can also just throw a little bounce pass to Brooke, and Brooke doesn't need to be at the rim to be able to get a pretty high percentage shot. I mean, he's obviously very comfortable just shooting a little push shot from, you know, 10 feet out, and, and he has really great touch. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been fun seeing them kind of unlock that, you know, Brooke and, and his offense a bit more. I mean, I, I just remember talking with Eric about that after the, the Toronto series loss a couple of years ago, just thinking, you know, Brooke was really good in that playoff series um, and thinking, man, is there something there, right? Like, is there, is there some way to, 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 to make better use of Brooks' individual scoring inside the arc, given, you know, especially when he first got here, he was obviously part of the kind of the let it fly thing. And, you know, he, he kind of probably straight out there a bit too much. Um, and, you know, some of it's natural just because with the honest, like you just, you know, you just weren't going to have your center be down low as much. But I think, you know, playing the dunker spot, you know, having that dunker spot, 
um, be more of a part of the offense, obviously, this year versus really going five out, I think has helped Brooke make him a more effective player. And um, it's been it's been really fun watching him, you know, especially in kind of these random games where, like, they're playing, like, lesser teams. It just feels like he can oftentimes just really, like, bully teams um, and just use that combination of skill and, and size that he has. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Brooke. I mean, we'll, we'll see – we'll see kind of what it translates to in terms of, you know, the playoffs and, you know, how much he plays. And obviously we're all, we're all curious to see how much he plays in crunch time of, of playoff games, you know, depending on matchups, but um, certainly he's, he's taken real advantage of, of the time that he's been out there on the floor, uh, you know, here, especially since the all-star break, I think he's over almost 14 points a game and over 52% from the field. And as you said, not shooting as many threes, not shooting them great, but, hasn't really needed to because he's just been a much more kind of dynamic scorer inside and out. So it's trivia time now. I think we tracked this earlier in the season because that conversation around the alley-oops is definitely something that we've brought up um, earlier in the year. So in 2019 and 2020, uh, this is from NBA.com stats, it's telling me that Brook Lopez finished 23 alley-oops across those two seasons. Where do you think he's at? This year, currently, thirty-two. Well, I mean, it's pretty impressive, Frank. He has attempted thirty-two. Uh, he's finished twenty-seven this year. So it, it's, I mean, it's it's been noticeable. And I, I think, in addition to him running out in transition, and as you pointed to, Chris finding him over the top, which has been a play that they've ran with Giannis in the past. They've definitely incorporated him more there, but he's been involved in a, in it's, it feels like anyway, I don't know. I'd have to look at the numbers. It does feel like they've used him at times in more pick and rolls, particularly with Giannis off the floor, as you mentioned. But yeah, I think, uh, I think it's been a fun development as you pointed to the fact that he's been able to uh, be unlocked, I, I guess, offensively and become more of a force. But one other tweet that you made tonight that I wanted to ask you about Bryn Forbes found Giannis a couple of times tonight. Everyone that listens to this podcast regularly knows that I have made reference to the fact that I'm not sure that Bryn Forbes knows how to pass the ball. What what did you notice with Forbes tonight? (laughs) Yeah, so if people didn't see it or they don't use Twitter, my my comment, and I usually don't tweet more than a few times a game because I... tend to like to watch the game and not really focus on Twitter much, but, um, but yeah, Forbes, I think it was a Giannis scribble handoff and Giannis went rolling down the lane as he's done. I, I believe I cited the number a million times uh, so far this season. I think <laughs> it's probably a, a few less Good than that, but, um, <laughs> but, but uh, Giannis goes down the middle and again, obviously he's not always open, but Bryn Forbes never, passes to Giannis in those situations. And I don't think it's because he's, you know, I mean, I think it's partly because he's a gunner who's looking for his own shot and he doesn't like to pass and partly because he's not a good passer. Um, but uh, tonight he threw one right down the middle. There's, you know, the parting of the seas. Indiana's defense was terrible. Uh, Giannis catches it, almost lost it, but then just, you know, nerf dunks it on whoever was near him. Uh, and so that, that inspired me to say, you know, that felt like the first time all year. <laughs> That Brent Forbes has actually opened, looked up and seen Giannis flashing down the lane on a pick, on a handoff, and uh, and actually giving it back to him. Um, 
So you're going to ask me how many times has, has Forbes assisted Giannis this year? Is that the trivia question? This is trivia number two. It's round two of trivia, and that's exactly right. Now, I will say that uh, I'm a little bit concerned, again, that if this is too soon after the game, that maybe this number hasn't updated. But either way, that it's a pretty small number, let's be honest. I, so you- I, I'll, I'll say, so, I mean, Forbes, it's kind of funny, because I know in San Antonio, Forbes averaged over two assists a game. So it's not like he's like, yeah. you know, just complete black hole. But I think here he's averaging just over one a game or something like that. So... Um, he's probably played in 60 some games. So he probably has 70 assists this year. Um, but I don't know. I feel like, you know, he probably has not assisted Giannis very much. So I don't know. I'll say like four times, <laughs> which seems impossibly low, <laughs> but I'll just pick a low number since I just was complaining about how he never passed to him. Well, Giannis has made 255 assisted baskets this year. Before I get to that, I'll say the number one player is Chris Milton with 90. Then you have Drew Holiday with 61. Then Dante DiVincenzo with 15, uh, with 50. Shout out, by the way, shout out to Dante. Dante, young guy, knows Always where his bread is buttered. Always is looking to give, the, especially in transition. Tonight, ironically, he, he wisely went around the back to Drew, <laughs> who then like immediately set the ball up yeah. in a very like, interesting way for Giannis dunk on a three-on-one but anyway yeah shout out to Dante sort of the anti well Dante has his own weird sort of streaks of selfishness but he's at least he wants to pass the Giannis he's sort of the anti-Forbes in that regard but yeah go ahead Pat Connaughton comes next on 17 then DJ Augustine on 14 then you go down to Brooke Lopez on eight Bryn Forbes has assisted Giannis six times this season so far and as we know uh, I, I, I'm going to actually, I mean, that, as you said, obviously it is a very low number. It's a little Can bit you look more. Up how many times Giannis has assisted Forbes? Well, a, well, next time, next time I go on a long rant, go, find, find the reverse. I'm curious how many times it's gone the other way. Cause I bet, I bet, I mean, it feels like he gets Forbes once or twice a game. Right. So I would assume it's probably like 73 or something like that. Assist from Giannis to, to Forbes. Well, I was reading your mind. That's why we work well together. I was already looking it up as you started talking there. So Giannis, to the surprise of no one, has assisted Bryn Forbes more than any other player on the Bucks roster. So this feels like a very uneven relationship here between these two on court. Giannis has assisted Bryn Forbes 57 times, and the next closest is Drew Holiday with 34. Hmm. Interesting. So, and, you know, the funny... I guess way to, to wrap up this conversation is the fact that Bryn Forbes actually only uh, finished one for six on this night and zero for four on three as well. So he he you know he made his money passing the ball tonight, which is uh, which is interesting to see. Uh, as we wrap this up, the Bucks we know they have Miami in a couple of days at home, then they'll have Chicago to wrap up the regular season here. But as we keep do we keep on doing, we're watching the standings and. Atlanta, Miami, and New York all won tonight. So Atlanta, 40 and 31. Miami, 39 and 31. New York, 39 and 31. So as the seeding still stands, the Bucks would play the Knicks. But again, uh, you know, if, <laughs> for Milwaukee, if you don't want to play Miami, who, by the way, just handled Philadelphia very comfortably tonight, um, yeah, maybe don't beat them. I don't know. I don't know how they're feeling. It's a back-to-back. Maybe they can oh, decide is... that and rest some guys. I don't know what they want to do. <laughs> Playing with fire a little bit. I'm so confused. I was going to say, I mean, this is, if we were a good talk radio sports show, we would be talking about 
what the Bucks should do uh, in in the penultimate game of the season here on Saturday against the <laughs> Heat. Because uh, I I think we're both aligned that you know, I mean, on the one hand, like I'm not. I mean, if they have if they end up playing the Heat, so be it, right? Yeah. Just let's just get it out of the way. If you're gonna shit the bed in the playoffs, all right. Here you go. We're gonna have a real fun freaking summer if, <laughs> if you guys can't beat the Heat. Um, but uh, yeah, man, it's a tough question. Like, do you rest? You know, you've got you got the Heat and and Bulls on Sunday. Pretty good chance that the Bulls might be eliminated by that time. I don't think they're eliminated yet, but very good chance that the Bulls might be eliminated by Sunday night when when the Bucks would be playing them. So. Um, Odds are you real. Odds are neither team will probably have anything to play for then. So it's like it's not like you're resting them for a really important game. Like you know, let's be honest. If 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 seeding stuff wasn't really in play, you would say, well, play them against the Heat and then just probably just rest dudes on on Sunday. But I mean, if it comes down to beating the Heat, is you know <laughs> what would create a a matchup with the Heat. Um, I would say, yeah, I mean, you would rather lose that game. Now, the flip side is you could also say, well, start your guys, play your game. And if you lose, well, good, then you're probably not going to have to play, <laughs> probably not to, have to play them. But if you can beat them, then at least you feel good that you, you beat them and, you know, you, you go into the playoffs on a high note. And I don't know that really matters. I'm not going to sit here and say that Spo is going to be showing his, his best cards, but um, I mean, if you're the Heat, I don't think the Heat want any part of the Bucks either, right? I mean, yeah, sure, they beat them last 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 year in the bubble. But if you're the Heat, would you rather play the Hawks or Knicks or the Bucks? Come on, that's a no brainer. I'm sure the Heat are going to be going all out on Saturday, so I don't think the Heat are going to be holding much back. And they've obviously had um, some some improved performances of late. Now, granted, they beat up on the Celtics twice, which I don't I don't know what that really means. But um, certainly beating the Sixers tonight was a much more impressive feet given that uh philly was was back at at 100 and the the interesting thing is if if miami uh were to get milwaukee as well it, it's not just the the matchup with milwaukee that i think regardless of whether their confidence levels would be high I, they probably feel like they could beat the bucks fine but then they have to play brooklyn in the second round and i think that they would prefer to play philadelphia as well a team that they match up pretty well with so it actually opens up uh, the whole draw for them if they can avoid the sixth seed. So I 100% agree. The interesting thing from the Bucks' point of view, which is one last little wrinkle to this, is the fact that Brooklyn and Chicago play prior to the Bucks and the Miami game. So if there was any thought in Milwaukee's mind that, hey, we could still get the number two seed here, then they will at least know whether that's a possibility. If Brooklyn wins that game, then it makes it almost impossible that they would be able to uh, get uh, that second seed there. They'd have to beat Miami and then beat Chicago and hope that Brooklyn lost on the last day uh, of the season there. So that's, at least they'll know. Maybe that will come into calculations if uh, if Brooklyn beat down Chicago, which you expect they would. Maybe the Bucks will throw in the towel a little bit there. But it's going to be interesting uh, to see. I thought that the league announced that all these games were in the afternoon. And then all of a sudden I found out the Bucks are playing at at night uh, against Chicago in that last game. So I That's don't great really news for you, right? Day. Now you now you don't need to get up at some crazy, crazy early hour of the day, right? In Australia, right? You're happy about that, I suppose. Yeah, I'm not complaining. I mean that that Brooklyn Chicago game, for instance, is at three AM. 
on Sunday yeah. morning. So I, I don't need that. I don't need to be dealing with that. So it's not a bad thing for me. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at I'm looking at the schedules here. So Atlanta's played one more game. They're at forty thirty one. They only have one game left. It's against the Rockets on Sunday. So you know, I mean, granted, we've seen what the Rockets can do. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, I suppose, but uh, you know, I think we could probably guess that's going to be a, a Hawks win. So they're 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 pretty locked into forty one and thirty one, um, which is the best that that either New York or Miami can do with two games left. Uh, the Knicks have Charlotte, I think that's at home, and then they have Boston at home. Um, I I assume Boston's going to have something to play for uh, on Sunday, so that's certainly not a a cakewalk by any such by, by any stretch of the imagination, even though the Celtics have obviously had their struggles of late. So the, the Knicks definitely don't have like gimme games, obviously Charlotte. Um, they've lost three in a row, but they're frisky, always frisky. You don't want, you don't want Terry Rozier in crunch time, <laughs> obviously. Uh, and then um, Miami, let's see. I, I just looked at, it and I've already forgotten who the heat play other than the bucks. Oh, the heat get the Pistons on Sunday in Detroit. So I think we can safely say, yeah, the Heat are going to win on Sunday, um, and they'll be motivated to win on Sunday. So, uh, so they're at at least forty, and then it really comes down to that that Bucks Heat game. So, my hope is, um, let me see, let me see when that Knicks when that Knicks game is. Um, it's at noon on Saturday, so I think you, the hope is the Knicks lose um, the Knicks lose that early game on Saturday which again, they're going to be favored going against the Hornets at home. But you know, that's my, that'll be my big hope tonight. The Spurs was bastards, Patty Mills, your buddy uh, Spurs bucks or the uh, Spurs could not take care of the Knicks. They had a double digit lead and they blew it and lost on a, what, like by four points or something. So Sp- thanks Spurs. Great week. Great week of, of Spurs help for, from a bucks perspective. But um, yeah, so I think we, we've all become Hornets fans on, on Saturday is a, uh, is the way I'm thinking about it. And then we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens Saturday night. I mean, I, I would love for that game to be one that both teams could, could go all out in and actually, you know, try to be win, try to win just from an entertainment perspective. Cause I do still like the NBA um, and watching good games, but uh, yeah, let's just say if uh, we see a lot of Sam Maryland, Jordan Wara, that that could be tactically a, a good decision from a Bucks perspective. Well, we will wrap it all up at some point on the weekend or certainly to start the week here because it's going to be fascinating to see how the Bucks approach this. And as far as the San Antonio Spurs go, they scored enough points against Milwaukee the other day for the entire week. So cut them some slack, all right? By the, <laughs> by, by the way, before, before we sign off tonight, we have to point out we were, we were DMing with, with Eric um, and I can't remember all the all the things we were pointing out. I feel like I said, like, what the hell was that? Like, like three or four <laughs> times during this game. Um, and one of those times was, uh, well, one of them was when like Dante in the first half, like seemed like he was driving towards uh, like maybe towards like a layup. Granted there were people around him, uh, but like had a head of steam going to the basket and then just sort of like jumped left and like into a dude. And then somehow the ball ended up out of bounds and a turnover. Uh, I still don't really know what the hell happened or what he was trying to do. Like Dante like does that thing where he's like driving, where he sort of like burrows into the opponent to try to create space. And it was almost like he was doing that in the air or something. So that was, you know, the great adventures of Dante DiVincenzo, the finisher. And then probably the more, the, the, the more WTF moment was, 
And I, I just assumed it was Dante's fault initially, but Dante like basically plowed into PJ Tucker uh, on like, I, I don't even like remember exactly. It, it wasn't even like a real, like real screen. It was just more like Dante's man drove left and towards the baseline and T, PJ's guy was coming the other way. <laughs> They just rammed into each other. And I was just like, how the hell did that happen? And then I saw the replay and it was like, what the hell was PJ Tucker doing? Like, if it was a switch, he like why was he running, you know, running that fast, uh, like the opposite direction of where the ball was getting dribbled by Dante's guy and he basically just destroyed, you know, he didn't he took he got the worst of it. But I was just like, actually that I think that's PJ Tucker's fault. <laughs> If PJ and Dante collide, I feel like my default answer is going to be like Dante screwed something up. But I, I think it was actually PJ's fault. And then PJ looked like he was kind of dinged up. And then literally like on the next possession, Dante drives and dishes it off to PJ for a layup, which is probably like the only time that's going to happen all year that PJ Tucker gets a layup off of Dante DiVincenzo drive. So at least they, they kind of redeemed themselves a little bit for giving up a layup on the other end. Yeah, I blew it. I blew what this whole podcast was going to be. I did ask you whether you could start every single sentence with, what the hell was player X doing in this situation? Um, so I did blow that. That's a little bit unfortunate. That would have been a, a podcast for the ages. But I'm sure... By the way, well, speak, speaking of WTF, what, the, this, and this is not the first time, there were two Giannis blocks that were called goaltends. And it was just like, what the, why the hell was that a goaltend? Like one of them was... I, I swear those shots were like a little guy puts it up from close and Giannis goes up and spikes it. And like, they call it like, Oh, it's going on its hour motion. Like that, the ball was not going on its hour motion. I was just like, what, what is this? Like, you know, split second reaction, this knee jerk, like goaltend call. I was annoyed at that. And then he got a pin on, on, I think a couple of possessions later. So anyway, very pissed off. Giannis hasn't had a block in three games. Should have had two tonight. Frank is not pleased with it, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll survive. Tomorrow's Friday. It's okay. Yeah, he didn't get one block in this game. There was five goaltends called. I, I don't know what the all-time record is for the most goaltends in one game, but five seems like a hell of a lot. But uh, also, that's, I like, that's like that's like a that's like a like Dwight Howard in Orlando. I feel like that's a that's a vintage Dwight Howard in Orlando game when he would just like goaltend the hell out of the ball all the, the time, knowing that he was yeah, just because he's like you know what, nah, you're not seeing the ball go in. Um, I think Giannis had eight dunks. I think they said that on the broadcast, which I think might have, they said might have tied a season high, which is pretty, pretty fun. As we do wrap it up, I want to give a shout out. I'm sure he doesn't listen to the podcast, but shout out to Matt Velasquez and his family tonight, by the way, who were live in attendance at the game and uh, got a nice little wave from Giannis when uh, Bucks PR, uh, Dan Smicek, uh, pointed out that Matt was up there on the, on the second deck, it looked like, at the field house as well. So Giannis, we know... Uh, going back a few months ago, asked where he was and what he was doing. But uh, it was good to see that Matt was able to get to the game tonight and watch the Bucks, and probably, in all honesty, have a little bit more fun drinking a beer with his family than he would have right into a deadline. So uh, that was fun to see. And, uh, of course, Giannis, an absolute class act. We know that uh, he, w- he would always go out of his way to say hello there if he got the opportunity. So shout out to Matt. I'm sure we'll probably have him on the podcast again coming up soon here uh, in the lead-up to the playoffs or during the playoffs and uh, he can fire out a few more hot takes now that's he doesn't have to write about the team on a daily basis but frank like i said we'll probably catch up over the weekend uh any big plans oh man my 
sister and niece visited last weekend, so that we had a big weekend last weekend. But this weekend, I think it'll be relatively quiet. We are, we're going to Houston for my sister in law's mm-hmm. birthday next weekend, so this will be a relatively quiet uh, weekend by comparison. Actually, yeah, I'm like, I guess I'm going to be at my in laws for whatever the first Bucks playoff game, whenever that happens. So, luckily, they're they're very understanding of uh, of of my Bucks fandom, and in fact, my my father in law is has said the Bucks are his team now that given that the Rockets have uh, thrown in the towel. So, um, so we'll see. Got to have to make some, uh, some plans. And um, I'm, I'm uh, going to hit my two weeks since my second vaccination here yeah. uh, tomorrow or Saturday. So I, I I've now been confronted with the fact that in theory I could go actually uh, watch a game maybe with some other vaccinated, my, my local Bucks fans here. Um, Shout out to Mitchell, our friend Mitchell, as well as Connor and and Bill, um, my guys. That that in previous lifetimes we used to watch Bucks games together here in Austin. Uh, but yeah, we we were kind of starting to think about it. So maybe maybe hopefully in the playoffs here we can I can actually watch a Bucks game with other people from the state of Wisconsin who like the Bucks. But um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully hopefully things slowly slowly getting back to something resembling normal. Obviously, we talked about the nine thousand fans, the half capacity stuff uh, the other day. So, um, so we'll see, get vaccinated. Don't, don't be like Corbin Burns, uh, get vaccinated. Don't let's just, let's just make things not weird again. That's that, that, that's, that's basically my request. Let's make things not weird again. Fair. Be like fair. Us, let's, let's be like us. Let's be like Australia. Not, I mean, you guys are having problems with your vaccine rollout, but mm-hmm. at least you guys are, you know, have controlled it enough that uh, life is seemingly fairly normal. Huh? It seems like you do social things came, which is, which is good. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, it's been a very social year for me. Not much has changed too much, but uh, the downside, the only downside is I probably won't get a vaccine until 2025. So, you know, you can't have it all. You can't have it all. So they're, they're struggling a little bit <laughs> over here, but we'll see. It's going to be a while before I, I get you're gonna, you're gonna have to. You're going you're gonna to have to come to a Bucks game just to get a vaccine, it looks like. Well, they're going to have to... Well, that, that's the funny thing about this. I, I left Milwaukee <laughs> because I, I took a very, um, let's say, educated guess that the US would not handle it too well. Let's just say that. So I came back to Australia. But now the flip side of this is if I stayed in Milwaukee, I would have had a, a terrible year, obviously, but I would be fully vaccinated now. So huh, that's, the, that's the way it goes. That's the way uh, it, it all pans out. But we'll see. I have certainly have nothing to complain about over here. That's for damn sure. But uh, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. It's Friday afternoon for me. I've got to tidy some stuff up for the end of the week and get on to my weekend. So uh, like I said, I'll catch up with Frank after the weekend or at some point during the weekend and we'll know more about the Bucks' playoff fate and who a potential first round matchup is going to be but until then uh, you guys stay safe over there and we'll catch you guys next week